Welcome to the Explorers Podcast, exploring the world of language learning, exploring the world by learning languages. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Explorers Podcast, Episode 2. I'm David, host of the Explorers Podcast series, where we are bringing you conversations with people who have interesting and fun stories from their personal language learning journeys. We focus particularly on how our guests' language learning has led them to unexpected places and situations. For our conversation today, John will talk about how his decision to study German in Munich changed his life in a very unexpected way. Welcome, John. Hello, David. Thanks for joining me. Sure. You have a, a very fun story that uh, I look forward to going through. I uh, wanted to start with your language learning background. Did you learn a language in school, in college? Well, you know, I have to confess that I really started off, especially in, in high school, dreading language. I was I sort of thought of myself as somebody who was just totally incompetent and incapable to learn a language. And I, I took Latin, maybe because I sort of, I don't know if part of it was just that I wasn't comfortable with the speaking part of it, although we actually had to speak uh, as part of it. And I say had to, because I remember my, my old... Uh, uh, high school teacher, he, he'd always, you know, he was actually genuinely concerned about me because I would turn so flustered whenever I had to speak um, that it was, you know, obviously it was something that I just wasn't very comfortable with. Um, and and was, was Latin a language that you chose? Did you have other options? I, yeah, I, I had plenty of options. Yeah, I, I chose Latin. I mean, I, I, I think Latin, you know, sort of classical languages like, in, in concept and principle are pretty interesting, you know, and it's just the whole notion of, uh, I guess, the whole history and culture of things, you know, and, and it's kind of, you know, Latin's not a huge language for philosophy, but kind of the philosophical side of things, too, was, was interesting just to kind of classify that. Plus the fact that I think maybe the main, one of the main things that I found interesting was just the Latin because it is kind of the root of a lot of the European languages. I think that also makes it interesting, just sort of the, you know, for sort of historical reasons, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So in high school, um, I did take three years of Latin um, and um, uh, not really successfully. I mean, but there's something sort of comforting, I guess, about sort of learning the grammatical side of things, you know, just the declensions and conjugations and all that, that I kind of, you know, felt comfortable with. But my heritage was German. In college, I... Uh, I, you know, I had, I, I, again, had to take a language of some kind, and I, at least I think that's the case. Hmm. So I, I tried twice my first semester of German. And uh, first time, I just, you know, I after like three weeks, I, I quit. I just wasn't going in. <laughs> I, just not, I was not succeeding. So I took it a second time. And, um, um, you know, I got through that. I don't think it was particularly successful. But um, it's funny. After I got out of college... At some point, I started to kind of get, you know, maybe without the stress of actually having to learn it for for real, you know, sort of under, you know. So I did start um, kind of trying to study German on my own. And I'm not sure exactly what the ordering of things was. I, you know, I bought some video, um, uh, not not video, audio tapes of of. German as a way of learning it, you know, and uh, those actually kind of worked, and I, I, I started to feel more and more comfortable with it. In the end, I actually joined a small little um, group in, in Lexington um, of, of people who were learning German with mm-hmm. a, a wonderful teacher. We um, went through that for a few years, and I basically, I, I really started to get into it, you know, and as I was studying this, I started to, I started to feel a little bit more like I was 
learning. So I don't really understand why the transformation. I think part of it was the fact, again, that my, you know, my family background was Germanic, and I just felt like that might be a good language to learn. But maybe as part of the also the German, a lot of philosophy and mathematics was uh, had originated in Germany, and so that's that's also something that maybe kind of played into that. Mm-hmm. Now, now you said your your family heritage is is German. Um, so, I mean, your, your family at some point came from Germany, but you still spoke just English at home. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was. Um, well, on my father's side, I think German, they they actually probably were more Swiss background originally. I didn't find that out for quite a while, but I been looking through ancestry and all that. I sort of figured it out. See, this must have been Swiss. But I think perhaps my my grandparents who were already deceased by the time I I was born. Maybe they knew some German. Um, I think probably my great-grandparents were the ones who came over on my mother's side. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the history there. So I kind of knew about the German ancestry, sort of the, and in fact, it was my, my, my mother's side was more Bavarian Germany, so that, that's the area, so, um, which we'll come back to, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why did it work doing it on your own? Um, versus doing it in a class? You know, I, I think with language, you just have to be ready for it for some reason. I mean, that's my, my general feeling is that if you, if you don't somehow inside really want to learn a language, it's almost hopeless. You know, you can study all these things and go through it and it just doesn't, it doesn't work. But after, the thing that's different is I think when I was studying in my own, I, I wanted to. When you say you wanted to, you, you didn't have a particular goal in mind. You just, because of your family heritage, you thought that would be an interesting um, thing to know? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, and it's, it's, it is funny that even though I've never really gotten to be good at German, I still feel as if it's an important part of who I am. Um, you sort of the, the notion, at least, of maybe it's only the notion of studying German. Maybe it's not so much the notion of speaking German. What happened was, though, if, if I can, can I, yeah, just sort of continue on a little bit? Yeah, certainly. Um, after doing this, at some point, I had already been at my, um, at the job I had at the time for like 15, 16, 17 years, and I wanted a little bit of a break. I thought, well, gee, maybe it would be good to sort of take a little sabbatical and go off for a few months to Germany and study German. So I, I went to the, um, the Goethe Institute actually in Boston here. I studied there, sort of took the Grundstufer um, Eins uh, course and uh, uh, kept working, kept working at that. And finally, I felt I was ready to uh, to go off to uh, to Germany itself. And so I I, I booked in Munich uh, for a, a course for a couple months, Mittelstufer Eins, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, signed up for that and and attended it. So that's basically you know what that was. That's kind of the history of why I ended up. Going to uh, to Germany to mm-hmm. uh, so I didn't really live in Germany in, in Munich but I did I I did at least spend a couple months there and you know enjoyed it thoroughly and uh, was that the the summer or the the winter what time it was of year actually was? maybe March I think early March but it was still pretty cold okay. there I think yeah, okay yeah I think that I think that's correct I might you know my again my I tend not to remember details but yeah <laughs> but. It, Good. Yeah. So, so it was. Was it a full full day class? Was that the the what you did full time while you were there? Yeah, pretty much. It was. You know, I I maybe like nine to two every day or something of that sort. If I'm. Mm-hmm. And then what um, you do the the rest of the time when you weren't in class? Well, there's just things like you know, like shopping. You know, I I was I was at this uh um I stayed at this sort of 
call it a, I don't know what the right word for it. It's not really a bed and breakfast place, but I, I was, had a place with uh, a woman who had, you know, was renting out places. She had a, um, a son who was a little bit older than me, who was sort of in and out a little bit. So, so you're, you're definitely an adult language learner. Yes, that's for sure. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. But you know, the thing that's funny is that as I went through this, I did find this this moment where I, it wasn't really a moment, but I did feel that all at once there was a time that I sort of started to get it inside, you know, where it started to become natural in some limited sense to speak in German or think in German or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think once you get to that point, I think that's kind of a critical time. I guess that had happened before I went to Germany to some extent, but uh, um, I don't know, you know, it's someplace in there. Yeah, but there's nothing about nothing like the immersion to to really yeah. put you in the mindset and and motivate you. It took, mm-hmm. took two months. You you took the Bittelstufe Eins. Yeah. And and where'd you go from there? Well, we're kind of uh, skipping out on the important detail of of the other thing that happened to me in Germany. Okay. Which was that um, at the same time, my um, there was a a young Japanese woman who was uh, um, also in Germany, happened to be. She had been studying. Well, she's she had been a pianist originally, and she had gotten some kind of a scholarship to go to Germany. But it actually, at the time, she couldn't do it. Well, later on, she still had that, and actually, as as she went along, she developed an interest in kind of church history and church music. And so she wanted to go to Germany to learn more, sort of well. Ultimately, I think she 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 actually a couple of things. She she wanted to she did want to go and and study piano itself, but she became interested in and she this was actually she she had gone there earlier and then she made a second trip, which was the time that um, that I met her, and uh, uh, at the time she was she had been accepted provisionally into um, a Munich University to study history uh, or organ music I should say. She was there in order to get to really get into Munich University. She needed to improve her German skills. And so she was also attending the Goethe Institute, Mittelstufe Eins. So she so was in is, your class. She was in my class. So uh-huh. that is the connection. Um, and so uh, that's how I met Keiko. And uh-huh. uh, and so, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting because um, at the time, you know, we – I. I think immediately I I saw her and I I don't I don't know if you call it love love at first sight but you know but I sort of immediately felt very comfortable with her and I guess kind of like you know I just sort of felt like it clicked something clicked or like that and uh, the thing is funny is that she didn't speak any English ah because I didn't speak any Japanese <laughs> so, so German so had, was your common language that's right so we, we would <laughs> speak this. Uh, uh, very low level, <laughs> but it was exactly appropriate because we were both at exactly the same level, so it was, it was you know, um, so we 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 did um, you know sort of get to know each other a little bit there in Germany, and then afterwards, um, after after I came back to the states, um, you know, we just sort of communicated a little bit by by letter back in the days before um, before the internet was really old-fashioned um, handwritten letters. Letters. You know, <laughs> Written in German. In German. Would, okay. Basically, found that we could, you know, communicate at whatever level we needed to at that at that point. And um, I, I like the fact that you you <laughs> use German as the common language, even though <laughs> neither of you spoke it fluently, if, natively. If either one of us had spoken it better than we did, we would not have been able to have these conversations because it just wouldn't have worked. It was the fact that we were both, yeah, both ter- terrible at it. So the relationship only worked because Yeah, yeah. Uts, Uts Uts Deutsch. <laughs> um, at some point she was actually her um, 
her brother, um, who's a mining engineer, was actually in Colorado for some reason. And at some point, she, uh, at the time, for a short time, she needed to come. She wanted to go and visit him. And, of course, Boston and Colorado are very close to you. So, you know, <laughs> They're both in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, she did uh, – and this was, again, in the middle of the winter. So uh, it was right around Christmas time. Gradually, things deepened a little bit. And uh, about, um, you know, a year later, uh, we got married. And so oh. that's it. And we actually ended up marrying in Tokyo. So all at once, I find myself uh, uh, <laughs> multicultural, you know. So the wedding was in Tokyo, and you didn't speak any Japanese, or had you learned yeah. some Japanese by then? Really minimal. Yeah, still mostly we talked in in Japanese. You know, it's 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 funny here. In, in um, Japanese or German? I'm not sorry, German. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, um, she really still didn't know English, and you know, it's just it's just. But I I think I was trying to learn. You know, a few words here and there, and of course, you know, as the time got closer to going there, I'd get get a little more. Um, felt like she had to learn something, you know, but like yeah, but you know, it was nice actually. You know, we we, we went over there. Her um, uh, her father could speak English, and uh, um, the wedding ceremony itself was wonderful because the minister was um, had studied in Boston previously, hmm. and so she could speak English very well. So we actually had a completely bilingual ceremony with sort of jump back and forth between the the readings and all that. It, um, bilingual English and Japanese. Uh, or German? Uh, yeah, English and Japanese. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for the wedding itself, there was no German. <laughs> so, that, would so, been, that would have been strange. <laughs> yeah. so, so German was the yeah. lingua franca that, that you could speak yeah, with exactly. your wife. Yeah. Um, but then you had the wedding in English and Japanese for the families, I assume. That's right. Oh, yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then at the start, you probably couldn't talk to her family at all. Her father spoke English, which her father helped. spoke some English, and also, of course, her her older brother had been in the U.S., so he right. has some level of of uh, uh, English as well. Okay. So they they probably actually both originally, I mean, they they both originally spoke better than than Keiko did. Actually, her father, I'm not so sure about. He was maybe maybe she was kind of maybe Keiko was kind of translating. I I forget. You know, it's funny. You you after a while, you hear a language and you. You remember what the person said. You don't necessarily remember what the language spe- yes, they speak. Yes, yes. You know, um, after the wedding and the honeymoon, we traveled around in Japan. Went to Kyoto and, and all these wonderful places in Japan. And we uh, went up to Hokkaido, where her brother lives. And um, uh, we came back. We, uh, um, we settled down in Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, she got a green card, all this stuff. Okay. Uh, we've been here ever since. And Keiko has... Um, she always, she very often gets discouraged by it, but I have to say that she's actually becoming she's actually become very very good at speaking English. So, at some point, we kind of left the German behind and we switched over to speaking um, uh, 100% English. She has pretty much, I think, forgotten her um, her German. Um, Interesting. And have you learned German or Japanese along the way? Well, the thing that's interesting is I have tried mightily from time to time. It's always um, I, I've made yeah I've made some progress here to here. It's really, you know the thing that's really intimidating about Japanese is the writing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if it, the Japanese itself is a pretty simple language grammatically, uh, speaking wise, it's I you know the, I really don't have any good excuses other than the fact that it's so different than English. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think just in its in and of itself, Japanese is a pretty easy language but you know i really like being able to read a language yeah and it's kind of um 
you know, I think that's been something which has kind of psychologically kept me from really trying to get into it even more than, mm-hmm. than I have. Reading yeah. can help you to to learn the language. Yeah, there's when you're able to sure read, can. yeah, then that's you right. Can also, pick up vocabulary quicker and. But I I, I, I don't have yeah. experience with this, but I would I would expect that having a wife that speaks that language would be the most important uh, resource. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's that's true. You know, although sometimes, yeah, and and you know. Keiko's wonderful because she's, of course, you know, but with like children going to school here and all that and just kind of like meeting other parents and all that. I actually think that was a lot of the reason why Keiko has become more fluent in um, uh, in English. It's funny because we found speaking to our children, uh, our children are completely bilingual in terms of speaking at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason, part of the reason for that is that Keiko speaks exclusively Japanese to them. Mm-hmm. With, she does not speak any English at all with them. And I would never ever try to speak Japanese. I mean, you know, the, the first time when I was a baby, maybe, or when when they were when they were babies, I remember speaking a little bit of Japanese, and they would laugh. You know, so I I think actually that's the key to developing good bilingual abilities in a child is that the person who can speak one language should speak that language, and the person who should speak the other language should speak that language, mm-hmm. and not try to fix them. Um, yeah. We've we've seen a few people, at least, a few Japanese uh, families who've come over, and um, um, the parents are very you know enthusiastic about wanting to learn English. So, of course, they think, oh, we should speak at home. We should always speak English. Mm-hmm. So then, of course, the children pick up the same Japanese English of the parents, and they <laughs> have this strong Japanese accent. Mm-hmm. While if the children were just going to American school, English schools only, then then they would, um, I I think they would do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, what do I know? I mean, that's a little different situation also <laughs> because both parents are Japanese, so it's 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 quite a bit different. Um, and so, so is it is it still the case that um, she speaks to your children in Japanese and you in English? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So our our oldest son, he's already out working. And in fact, Japanese has been a great help to him. He actually he speaks Japanese very well. He's 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 gone on business trips to Japan. He represents the company there. Sometimes Hmm. it's actually been of great help to him to be able to be fluent in Japanese. And Mm -hmm. he can actually he's actually learning to sometimes he does some little translations of technical things online and things of that sort also. So Hmm. he's kind of enjoys that. Um, our younger son is uh, equally fluent, I think, sp- speaking uh, in Japanese. They both had gone to Japanese uh, high school, uh, Japanese elementary school here you know, on Saturday okay. morning. So, so that actually helped some as well. Mm-hmm. Our younger son is not as, he can't read as well Japanese because it's, it's you know, it's just so much, you know, to try every, every Saturday to get a, a full week's worth of homework to try to keep up with Japanese students is is pretty challenging. Right. Us. How large is the Japanese community in the area? How many families go to the Japanese school? It's, they had a full curriculum from, you know, kindergarten, like three years of kindergarten all the way up to the high school, uh, all the way through high school. And uh, each class, anywhere from 10 to 20 students in it. So, I mean, it's, okay. it's a substantial number of, uh, I, I can't give you the, the actual number, but obviously that's a pretty, mm-hmm. you know, uh, strong center of, of Japanese um, community in the Boston area. Did your children learn any German along the way? They did not. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So have you kept that as your secret parenting language? That would be a good idea. You know? no, maybe, I think when, we, when, they, when the kids were younger, we actually did that sometimes. Yeah, that's right. That's did they learn uh, other languages in, in high school? They have both had some. They, yeah, they both took Spanish. Um, and I think uh, they were probably not so satisfied with their experience. I mean, I, uh, I, I don't know how to put this politely, but yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, let me just say they've done better in some other courses. Okay, okay. They, they took after me and my Latin, I think. <laughs> Actually, my younger son always would, would, would did very well in it, but he's, he's just not interested in it so much. And it's kind of funny. Again, you know, it might be like me. Maybe later on, all at once, they'll... You know, but but the fact that they're already bilingual, I think, makes a big difference. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, I would think that would help to learn a third language if you grew up bilingual. Um, but if that third language is very different from Japanese, say, then I think if if the um, I mean my my younger son especially, I I think if he if the high school he's going to had offered German, he probably would have taken that, but they mm -hmm. they don't. So um, that's you know he kind of took Spanish as a, as as kind of a fallback position, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, and Spanish, I think, is a is a is a really nice language. You know, it's not you know, and obviously it's becoming increasingly important. But you know, as I said at the beginning of this, uh, um, I think you have to somehow this has to be something inside of you that clicks that makes you want to learn a particular language, and uh, and that can actually change from from year to year in a person's life as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there was this uh, Japanese book. Uh, we tried to learn out of it. It was a, a paperback book, but I actually liked it. We always called it the Ah Hadasan book because I think the very first words in it were Ah Hadasan Shibaraka Desune or something like you know, sort of you know, haven't seen you in a long time, you know, something like that. And, uh, um, I I tried so many times to get, and it's very nice and a very easy, easy, well-written book, but uh, uh, I've never succeeded in getting through it. So that's kind of a <laughs> story of my experience with Japanese as well as other ones. Um, <laughs> so, so I find it interesting. You um, so you were successful learning German without a, an actual goal, without you know an, yeah. an impetus, uh, you know, yeah. without being forced to you. You decided you just want to learn German. You you moved to Germany, and and got some level of proficiency there. But the Japanese, where you might have the family pressure to to understand what your kids are saying to your wife or um, what what your in laws are saying, you, you haven't had that same uh, drive. Well, yeah, maybe maybe that's you know obviously I I probably know more Japanese than I know you know you know and obviously I know when they're talking about me and I you very often have some clue as to what people are saying you know uh, but you know but as soon as the conversation gets complicated or detailed then if, then I I lose it obviously I don't know it's tough it's tough you know because like if if I really wanted to learn if I had asked Keiko and the children to be very patient with me and to make a big effort to try to gradually bring me along and teach me Japanese that maybe that would have helped but it's um it's actually not so it's not so easy to to learn from family members you know because uh -huh. they're so they're so fluent in it you know yes. it's, it's very you know, in there it's more that i i wanted to you know i did actually try i remember one point trying to starting a little course at, at middlesex community college in japanese but at that point i probably knew more than the beginning course but not enough to really go into the next course up you know so it's kind of one of those things i don't know i don't know lately i've actually found myself in the last in the last six months or so, I've gone back. I've started to again study German. Ah. Can you believe it? Ah. I, I, now you know, and again, it's more a question of just reminding myself of. of it's, it's it's still very low level. It's more. I'm now trying to brush off all the grammar and things of that sort, and you know, uh -huh. get, and is it coming back? 
I, I think what's coming back is a realization that I didn't know as much German as I thought I did originally. <laughs> but clearly enough so... to communicate with your your future wife and to that's right <laughs> to exactly. have that as the, the main right. language of of right. your early days. Yeah, and the thing the thing that is nice about German is that you can read it. So you know, so I you know, like yeah, the the Kindle, I can buy some like you know simple little very sh- short stories and things of that. So it's sort of made for mm-hmm. beginning language readers that you know that that I can I can read and things of that. So it's so. So you, so you're coming full circle. You're coming full circle, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for for a long time, actually, the fact that I always felt that I should be learning Japanese inhibited. I think. Uh, you know, I I always would feel guilty studying German because I. I felt like, yeah, I should be learning Japanese. Mm-hmm. I guess full circle would be if you come back to Latin. Yeah, maybe that's. <laughs> so uh, let me uh, summarize your journey. You started with Latin in uh, in high school unsuccessfully. You studied that yeah. for three years. Tried to learn some German in college, also unsuccessfully. Later on, it clicked, and you you decided you were going to do it, and you you learned German. Uh, moved to Germany, and took a class there. While you were there. You met a fellow German student, a student student of German, from Japan. Uh, you hit it off, and together learned more German. Ended up getting married, moving to the U.S., switching from German to English as the the primary language. And then you've you've raised bilingual children who speak English and Japanese. Exactly. And now you've decided you're you're going to go back to learning more German. A little bit, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fun story. So that's it. Well, thanks for sharing. All right, David. Thank you. Thanks for asking. And that's it for episode two of the Lexplorers podcast. Thank you for joining us, and thanks to John for sharing his story. We'll be back soon with more language learning conversations in our podcast series. You can subscribe to Lexplorers on the lexplorers.com website.